Hello, everyone. Welcome to FreightWaves Global Supply Chain Summit. I'm John Gallagher, Senior Editor at FreightWaves, and we're going to be talking about U.S. export challenges. And with me today to discuss this is one of the top experts on that subject, Peter Friedman. Peter is the Executive Director of the Agriculture Transportation Coalition, or AGTC, based here in Washington, D.C., and um, Peter, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. There's been a lot that's happening now and has happened over the past year since we've last discussed these things. Yes, yes. Um, and in fact, you were at our Global Supply Chain Week, uh, and it was just about a year ago, um, when these export uh, issues were just starting to unravel, basically. So, so we thought it was a good opportunity to um, see what has changed since then. Um, Peter, you, you, you formed AgTC about, about 35 years ago to help exporters deal with ocean transportation challenges. So, so to put things into perspective um, and, and sort of a, like a his, historical context, um, how do the export issues you're dealing with today compare with challenges that you've had in the past? Uh, challenges in the past and you know over these past 33 years uh, have changed. Uh, originally, the name was the Agriculture Ocean Transportation Coalition, AgOTC. Uh, it became apparent quickly that the challenges aren't just on the ocean. In fact, sometimes once you get the container on the ship, now you're home free almost compared to the challenges of getting the cargo from the origin, say the food processing facilities or the farms and orchards and so forth, by truck, by rail, through the marine terminals, and then finally onto the ship. So we changed to Agriculture Transportation Coalition. I say that because the challenges are now the entire supply chain, uh, and uh, that is increasingly so. So we are impacted, agriculture exporters uh, are in, impacted by the shortage of trucks, of drivers, of chassis, of uh, weight limits on some state roads uh, and terminal congestion uh, equally as much or even more so than actually paying the freight rates uh, that the ocean carriers are charging uh, or trying to get space on the ships, uh, which has become the overwhelming challenge uh, over the course of this past year. Yeah. And one of the things that you brought up um, last year was that you touched on how maintaining market share for U.S. exporters is, is important. So what is going on? What, what, what's happened over the last year um, with market share among your, your members? Uh, the fact of the matter is, and this has been uh, true since the inception of the Agriculture Transportation Coalition, uh, there is very little that we produce here in agriculture or forest products in this country that cannot be sourced somewhere else in the world. And we've learned the hard way over these years that if we are not an affordable, dependable supplier, our foreign customers can and will find alternatives. Now, <clears throat> for some products such as soybeans, uh, there's lots of competition, uh, whether it's Canada, uh, which is exporters are generally subject to the same challenges we are in the US. Uh, but Brazil, other countries produce in volume soybeans. High quality almonds uh, 
are hard to find around the world in the quantity that we can provide here. But even so, when the West Coast uh, terminals uh, slow down, as they do periodically during the labor negotiations, of which we have another coming up in just five months, longshore negotiations, uh, we could not get some of our product out. That did not mean that the uh, Japanese uh, cow herds were not fed. They simply shifted to New Zealand for forage. Uh, that did not mean the Japanese confectioner stopped making candy. They simply turned to Turkey and substituted whatever they could get there uh, for us. And sometimes we just don't get those markets back. So that's the immediate challenge that we're facing. Uh, and right now we are finding with our AgTC survey that of the actual foreign sales, not projected targets of foreign sales, but actual foreign sales under contract, that we are unable to perform 20% of those because we could not get our cargo on ships, could not deliver timely uh, because of additional assessments, price assessments by ocean carriers, rendering the product unaffordable upon delivery overseas. That is a phenomenal loss of export cargo, export revenue, when you cannot perform 20% of actual sales contracts. Well, how, and how does that compare, that 20%, how does that compare to, say, normal, what, what, before the supply chain crisis? Before the supply chain crisis, you can perform all the contracts and because they're rather substantial penalties when you don't uh, perform. And now what's happened over the last course of the last year is that our foreign customers now recognize that there is a supply chain crisis, that the ships are not on schedule, uh, they're imposing additional charges, demerit and detention, uh, that uh, cargo gets rolled. Um, and so uh, there are fewer of those penalties being imposed, but the real penalty is that when you have our U.S. hay exporters, and some are being told by some of their foreign Asia-Pacific customers that thank you very much, but we're not renewing our seasonal contracts with you. We're going to Argentina. We're going to New Zealand. Cargo might be more expensive from there. The product may not be as desirable, but uh, as the Japanese agriculture minister said at one point to our secretary of department of agriculture, Bobby, two and a half years ago, your ports may not be working, but our cows must continue to eat. Uh, and so, you, you know, people talk about perishable exports and people generally think of refrigerated goods as perishable, our meat, beef, pork, uh, poultry, which is a huge export, fresh fruit and vegetables, but even hay is perishable because, and soybeans are perishable because if you don't deliver timely, there are animals that will perish overseas because they're depending on our export cargo. And the appetite of the foreign customers for uncertainty in the delivery of something as essential as animal feed uh, is severely limited. They, have to, they cannot guess whether the animals will be fed. They have to have a dependable supply. And right now, we cannot supply dependably on many of our agriculture exports. 
Yeah, and it was obviously a danger of losing that market share permanently. Um, so I, I want to ask also one of the things that another thing that has happened since a year ago, Peter, was uh, the introduction of the Ocean Shipping Reform Act of 2021 that um, that passed the House in December and is now awaiting a Senate bill. Um, and among other things, just to just to briefly mention there, it would require, you know, some form of reciprocity on imports and, em- and exports. It would um, set some minimum standards on uh, minimum service standards and also would um, it, it basically kind of sort of puts the burden on for for. On, on, on the carriers for proving that demerge and detention fees that they impose are appropriate. Um, and I know you and your organization has been a big influence on the creation of the bill, I, but but wanted to look at it, Peter, from a, a carrier perspective here. I, so, and, and from what I understand, you, you also have importers in your group. So, so you, is, is that right? Yes. Yeah. Right. So, so you understand like, you know, the carriers need, to make these operational um, choices on imports and exports. And they they say, the carriers say, that the bill will basically give the government influence over how they make capacity decisions on, on, on these imports and exports, and which are commercial decisions um, that they have to weigh carefully. So do they not have a point when, when, when they say that the Ocean Shipping Reform Act will lead to a more inefficient supply chain um, because it will lead to these capacity changes that, that may not necessarily be based on commercial, the commercial realities in the market. Uh, we have found, and increasingly so in recent months, that individual ocean carriers are understanding the needs of U.S. agriculture exporters and importers and are willing to provide the service that are, is needed. We've had very productive conversations uh, as uh, headquarters of these ocean carriers, none of them are headquartered in the United States, as, as you know. But uh, when we receive calls from places like uh, Marseille, Geneva, Denmark, uh, not to mention any carriers, Singapore, and so forth, and they're reaching out saying, how can we serve the agriculture exporters' needs? What do you what do you need? What can we do? Those are extremely productive conversations. Uh, they have resulted in some changes in, I don't, I don't want to say behavior, but in services uh, that really do benefit our agriculture exports, including uh, one of those carriers now taking a look at how it can better reposition for mutual benefit containers in the upper Midwest, which has been a problem lack of containers, that's a cost, and so forth. The individual carrier is now looking at how it can do it. An individual carrier added new capacity into Oakland. An individual carrier is now reaching out to talk about a number of things uh, that have been a problem in the past. What we find is when the individual ocean carriers at the headquarters level want to engage, we are finding these very productive mutually beneficial. And it's our objective whenever we do our workshops with the individuals and so forth. We do them, frankly, without the press, uh, without their competitors in the room. And we find that we get better service for U.S. agriculture exporters um, and actually 
better customers and more freight and more profitable freight for those ocean carriers that reach out. When the carriers collectively through the World Shipping Council engage on some of these things, then is when we get problems created. So let me go to the Shipping uh, Act, OSTRA 2021, which is going to have to be renamed. That bill would never have been introduced had the ocean carriers simply taken seriously the Federal Maritime Commission's interpretive rule on detention and demerit. If the ocean carriers had simply complied with those guidelines as to what is a reasonable detention demerit charge. And when you read that, John, I suspect you have, uh, that rule is so common sense. In other words, if the container is not available, you should not charge detention and demerit. If the container is still on the ship, don't start running your free time while the container is still on the ship and hasn't even been offloaded so that it cannot, so it can be picked up on the import side, for example. Uh, yet, in the words of one of the commissioners, the carriers were poorly advised to ignore that rule. Had that rule been taken seriously by the carriers, and I don't know why they did not take it seriously, there would be no Ocean Shipping Reform Act. I can assure you of that, because the impetus for that Ocean Shipping Reform Act is to provide the teeth and means to enforce that specific rule. Uh, now, there is a provision in there, uh, which frankly I drafted, that says that the ocean carriers have to, when submitting an invoice for detention demerit, have to have that accompanied by a certification that it complies with a rule. In other words, you know, you're supposed to obey the law. So all the certification says is we're obeying the law. I don't know why ocean carriers think that's such an onerous thing to do, that to say, yes, we will follow the law. And you know what it means? That in, I know practically what it means. The, currently, detention to mirage charges are spat out by computers, uh, thousands and thousands of those invoices every day all around the world, uh, because somebody fed information in the computer as to what ship the, the cargo's on and containers on and when it's supposed to arrive at the port. But guess what? Anybody know following what's happening these days is that ships are lining up outside of Los Angeles and they're not getting in on schedule, right? And they're not leaving the terminals on schedule. So of course, the computer, when it spits out the charges, has bad information. All we want them to do with those invoices is accompany with a certification that they are complying with the detention demerge rule. It will mean that people will have to put eyeballs on those invoices before they go out from the carriers to confirm that, in fact, those the container was available. If it was right. if it wasn't available, we they shouldn't charge. That's all it requires. And then if they do submit a certification because nobody paid attention and container wasn't available, that exporter or importer can simply send it over to the Federal Maritime Commission that'll have an informal process uh, to review it. That's okay. all it does. Uh, okay. Well, then let me ask you. Let me ask you that. I mean, that, was, that was a good. That was a good um, explanation of that. I, but, but wanted to ask you though. So, in the Senate bill, uh, Dusty Johnson, one of the who's one of the co-sponsors yeah. of of the set of the House bill, House he, bill. He, he yeah, he just said recently that the Senate text is um, it's going to be a little different. I think is the way he put it um, than the, the House bill. So, I want to ask you, Peter, 
is there is there any provision in in the House bill that if it's not included in the Senate bill would be a deal breaker in your opinion? I don't think there's any deal breakers in this thing. This is uh, what we're seeing here uh, is that some of the provisions in the House bill, the Federal Maritime Commission is paying attention to, and some of their recently announced uh, rules that they are going to begin pursuing reflect some of these provisions that are in the House bill. Now, what's in the Senate bill, uh, again, I've seen drafts, I've maybe contributed a little bit to them, but you know, there's no bill introduced yet on the Senate side. Uh, you know, maybe somewhat different, maybe less prescriptive, maybe giving the FMC a little more rulemaking authority, but the objectives are pretty similar, pretty darn similar. So uh, the other provision that I think you're interested in, and Ocean Carriers point to and say, well, it's a deal breaker for them, is uh, this export provision. Uh, because, you're, you know, frankly, the motivation for this legislation in the Basically, House, the, the, the reciprocity part of it. It's the provision that simply says ocean carriers must accept bookings uh, for cargo, export cargo, and must take it if it can be provided timely, if it can be loaded and carried safely, and if it is going to a destination that the ocean carrier is already scheduled to go to. Mm-hmm. All right. So there's a lot of kind of loopholes here, if you want to say that. Um, that's what it says. Now, the House bill is maybe more specific than what I've seen in the draft of the Senate bill, but the objective is very similar. Now, again, we have plenty of data. The Port of Los Angeles has given, kept much data. It used to be that Ships would go out 60% uh, loaded, outbound of cargo, and 40% empties. It's been reversed. And in some cases, we're talking 20% loaded with 80% empty. So clearly, the carriers have the capacity, but have chosen for various reasons not to. Now, look, a member of Congress is going to be very responsive and has been in this legislation to its agriculture constituents. Agriculture and forest products are AgTC members. Agriculture, we include forest products in that. That's paper and so on. And I think what you're seeing here is the powerful influence of agriculture in the political realm. Uh, Importers also are uh, effective. The retailers are effective. But, you know, frankly, between a... Chinese factory and a U.S. farmer, you tell me which one is more attractive, if you will, to a politician who has to get elected here in this country. Uh, uh, So that's probably the reason for this focus. That is a challenge for the carriers understand. They have to get empties back to Asia because they got a lot of cargo that needs to come to the U.S. It's cargo we need here in the U.S., factories need the components, retailers need the food, the clothing and apparel, uh, apparel and footwear uh, and toys. So, you know, there is a balance. Uh, and I, but I do believe that this provision, just the fact that it's in the House passed bill, 
has already motivated some carriers to put some extra capacity in to address the need to have the ability to carry our agriculture exports. Yeah. And, and just uh, just a last question, uh, real briefly, Peter, whether or not this bill passes, where, where do you see where, where do you see in 2022 the 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 export supply chain, um, the U.S. export supply chain kind of um, uh, basically straightening out? Look, at, we have so many self-inflicted wounds here in our supply chain that, you know, you, there's a lot of focus in this conversation elsewhere on the ocean carriers. We have the lowest allowable interstate truck weights in the world here in the U.S. While the Canadians may send a certain amount of cargo with two uh, uh, trucks, we have to send three trucks to carry the same weight. Texas, California have low weight limits, lowest in the world, lower than Europe and Asia. So that creates a shortage of trucks, of drivers, and so forth. Uh, there are many other self-inflicted wounds that we have that we've got to address in the supply chain urgently, in addition to building up these terminal, the terminal capacity in this country. The terminal capacity has to be built up. There has to be more space. We just got off the call with Houston. They're adding over the next few years several hundred acres of space immediately adjoining or part of their terminals at various terminals they have. That's not possible at many of the ports in this country that are right at urban areas squeezed between. But we have to come up with inland uh, ports. East Coast ports have, in the U.S. have many inland load points. We need more of those inland load points on the West Coast. Um, those are things we can solve, and we better focus on those. 